<laughs> Welcome. Glad that you're here this afternoon, this weekend. Uh, I think you're in for a real special treat. Just real quick, our new series coming up, The Most Interesting Man in the World. You know, we, we're, we're taking that from a beer commercial, and I know that sounds really ter- terrible, but truth of the matter is we think they stole it from us because we think Jesus is the most interesting man. So there was a tagline. I challenged my staff, give us your tagline. The tagline for the commercial is, I don't always drink beer, but when I do, I drink X, fill in the blank. So one of my staff member, Dan DeMay, said, how about this for the opening one? Uh, it's Jesus. I don't always drink wine, but when I do, I create my own. How about that right there? So we will, uh, we will have some fun with our series coming up. Listen, um, I, I wrote this down. Normally, if I introduce someone, I can do it um, from, from pretty much memory. And uh, this is so important to me that I did not want to leave out um, the honor that I have in my heart when I wrote this. Uh, I want to write this just quickly. I'll tell you the five favorite things about our speaker tonight. This is my pastor, and in order, uh, this is what I wrote. He's my favorite teacher in the world, bar none. There's nobody else that I enjoy listening more to, nobody else that I get more out of, nobody else that I've grown more from than from my pastor. Uh, number two, his character. Worked for him for almost seven years, and everything I know about him is the real deal. Uh, his character comes before anything else, including having to deal with difficult situations. Um, This is a man without question that challenged me to up my game, and I appreciate what he did in my life. Number three, uh, how about this one right here? He's a real man of wisdom. Every, Every man I know has some level of it, but this is a guy that can look at a problem and actually figure it out, and when I'm stuck, he has helped me time and time again. Number four, his family. You really want to know um, if, a, if a person is real, look at their family. That's how you can tell. Look at his wife, look at his children, and that'll tell you all you need to know. And in this case, what a beautiful family, what an awesome wife, and what a great honor it is to have them here. And then last but not least, here's my favorite thing about my pastor. He took a real risk on me um, over 20 years ago, and I'm sure glad that he did. JFC, do me a favor. This man deserves more honor in this house than anybody else here. I'd like you to put your hands together and welcome my pastor to this platform. Thank you. Not sure what to say after all that. But uh, thank you, Pastor, for your kind words. Where'd he go? Oh, there he is. Thank you for your kind words. Um, We have very much mutual uh, respect for each other. And um, even though he did work for me for a number of years, I want you to know something. I consider him my equal in every possible way. So you're the real deal too, Pastor John. I guarantee it. So... So um, I don't want to uh, take a lot of time here to uh, talk about this. Got the wrong page on this crazy machine. All right, hang on. We'll get it up here. There it is. All right. There it is. <laughs> don't want to take a lot of time about uh, this, but just uh, wanted to quickly mention you. About three weeks ago, my wife and I launched our new website. And uh, I would encourage you to go and take a look at it. Um, it has some good um, um, uh, things that you can connect to, uh, one of which is our monthly newsletter. 
And there's a, always each month there'll be a new sermon that you can listen to, and all of that is free. So it's, uh, <clears throat> you've got the little handout there, and, and where the notes is at the bottom of that page, it gives you the website address, and uh, just check it out. And if you want to get a monthly uh, reminder that the new issue is out, why just uh, um, send us an email on our website. Just hit contact us and, and give us your email, and we'll add you to the contact list. And we promise not to bug you. We'll just remind you once a month uh, that there's a new newsletter issue out, and there are some changes maybe from time to time in the uh, website. Okay, well, let's get down to business. I don't want to waste my time here. I've got a lot of preaching to do and a short time to do it in. And uh, um, I have to, uh, you know, how every now and then you get these things and then they issue the disclaimer, okay? So I have to do the disclaimer. You're going to hate this sermon. <laughs> Ushers, lock the doors. Don't let anybody out. Um, uh, you say, if I'm going to hate it, why are you going to preach it? Because you need it, all right? Turn to your neighbor and say, I need this. All right, you do need it. And um, uh, I'm, I'm just going to set this up here uh, real quick. Um, how many of you believe that everything in the Bible is important. Raise your hand up, okay? Hold, keep him up there. There's a guy back there, he says he's gonna put a pledge card in, in my hand if I raise my hand. No, it's not a pledge card. Um, but uh, um, yeah, everything is important in the Bible. I believe that with all my heart. But I also believe that there are some things that are more important than others in the mind of God. And one of the ways that I believe you can tell those things, what they are, is God will repeat himself, all right? And, and, and sometimes, uh, in certain instances, one instance in particular, he not only repeated himself, but he took a whole book of the Bible and repeated himself. In fact, he repeated himself four times. I think it's the most important message in the Bible in God's mind, and that is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the story of the birth, the life the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's nothing in the Bible more important than that. Um, another illustration would be, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but uh, in the Old Testament, every prophet of the Old Testament prophesies the return of the Jewish people to their homeland and the reestablishment of the state of Israel. I think that is absolutely amazing that every one of them saw it in the spirit and knew it was going to happen. And what a privilege it is in, in our lifetime, we've seen it happen. I mean, it's the greatest proof of the, of the existence of God that I have seen in my lifetime. So those are the kind of things I'm talking about. And then sometimes you will find where God repeats himself like several times in the space of just a few verses of scripture. Um, um, and uh, the one I'm gonna deal with tonight is Psalm chapter 37, verses one through eight. And, and here's what God says that, that is um, uh, repeated three times there. First of all, verse one, fret not. Everybody say fret not. Fret not because of evildoers. Verse 7, fret not because of those who prosper in their way because they make wicked schemes. Verse 8, fret not, it surely leads to evil. Now, I don't know if God's aware of something or not, but in our world today, we got a lot to fret about. 
Come on, anybody besides me? Kind of like, wow, man, this thing is a mess. It's a huge mess. I mean, I wrote down some of the things that, that uh, we have in our world today that um, it wouldn't be too hard to start fretting about this. It'd be pretty easy, in fact. Um, how about radical Islam? And those nutcases over there, in the name of their God and their religion, cutting off people's heads and all of that, and, and making no, no attempt to uh, uh, hide the fact that they'd like to kill every one of you. All right? They'd cut your head off in, in a heartbeat if, if they'd get the chance. How about that other nutcase country over there, Iran, uh, getting the bomb? Hello? I mean, they've already said they want to destroy America, and now they're about to get the bomb. It doesn't seem like um, anybody living on the east part of the nation there is able to stop them. Am I allowed to be politically incorrect? (laughs) Okay, how about this one? Crazy people shooting up schools and hospitals. Ebola. Um, Obama's immigration reform. <laughs> Legalization of gay marriage. Legalization of pot. The economy. Hillary Clinton. Sarah Palin. The Grinch that stole Christmas. <laughs> Dude. Got a lot to fret about. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm a grandpa. What kind of world are we leaving to our grandchildren and our children? And then that's our world. How about your personal world, um, your work, your co-workers, your boss, your marriage, your mate. That's not as bad as you think. You could be married to Hillary. Um, <laughs> your finances, your neighbors. That's something, boy, I can tell who the Democrats are. <laughs> Come on, lighten up, okay? I mentioned Sarah Palin, too, all right? Your finances, your neighbors. How about your kids? Woo! Do you hear that there's a, there's a new medical condition that they've finally figured it out, what it is? Uh, only parents get it. Not all parents get it, but a lot of them do. It's called teenroids. <laughs> it's when your kids become a royal pain in the butt. <laughs> And the thing that causes me really wanting to fret is that God doesn't seem to care that I have all these problems. He just says to me, don't fret. <laughs> and, and the thing I don't like about the Bible is that it's so narrow. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it, it's like God doesn't give you any wiggle room. He's just like, fret not. <laughs> fret not. Fret not. I mean, why couldn't he say, don't fret about everything? I could handle that. That would give me some room. How about, don't fret all the time? Yeah. Is that okay? We could live with that. But no, no. It's just like, don't fret about anything, anytime. And I'm like, God, this troubles me. Because I'm a world-class fretter. (laughs) I just, 
I'm a world-class fretter. I come from a family of world-class fretters. My daddy was a world-class fretter. My granddad was a world-class fretter. Because they, they, they both died of heart attacks, you know, but <laughs> they were good at fretting. And I'm good at it. I'm real good at it. Sometimes I'll start to fret about something, get just get myself all worked up about it. And, and my wife will look at me and just say, now, John, don't get upset. You know what my answer is? It's too late. It just comes natural to me. Some people, I think they roll with the punches a little more. I don't. I find myself just freaking out about some things. It's like, ah, God, this world is a bad place and I'm in a bad situation and God, I need you to do something and God, I'd appreciate it if you'd do it in a hurry. <laughs> Hello? Don't you look at me like that. I know some of you are like that too. So God comes along. He says, fret not. You know what I do? I go, I go, I'm going to look for loopholes. <laughs> you ever do that? You, look, you see something in the word and you're like, and you're, ha! And, and you're like, no, no, that can't be true. I, I, somehow that's a misinterpretation. Okay. So I'm going to look for a loophole. One of my ways of looking for a loophole is this is wonderful in this day and age we live in. There are so many different versions of the Bible different translations of the Bible. Can I tell you something? In this little machine right here, I have 50 different versions of the Bible. All right? I should be able to find a loophole, okay? So I said, let's see here. We're going to check the different versions. By the way, did you know there's a Jubilee version? Yes. Yeah. I didn't know that until I was looking for loopholes here. I found it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what are you, a big televangelist or something? You have your own version of the Bible? <laughs> yeah. So I thought, well, certainly I'll go to one of those modern ones. It'll get me off the hook here. So I went to the, the easy-to-read version. <laughs> Did you know there is one? It's called the easy-to-read version. And uh, <laughs> you won't believe what I found. <laughs> Here's what it says. It doesn't say fret not. It says, don't get upset. I'm like, dude, my wife wrote that. She's got her own version of the Bible. And then, this is one I never use when I preach, but I'm like, I have got to share this. The message, okay? I hate the message. It, it is like totally unscriptural. But <laughs> here's, what, here's how it read. Trash your wrath. Cool your pipes. It only makes things worse. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, okay. Hmm. Let's see what all of them, the rest say. You know what the vast majority of all the new translations say there? It says, fret not. Huh. Didn't get any help with that. I've got another tactic. I'll do a word study. I'll find my loophole by going to the original Hebrew. All right? So I go to the original Hebrew. This is amazing. 
I am just stunned by what I found. Now, let me tell you about the Hebrew language. The Hebrew language, language is a pictorial language. By that I mean it uses word pictures to help you understand what it's trying to say. And so many times when you look up a word in the original Hebrew, it, it, in the definition it will give figuratively, because it's not a literal interpretation, it is a picture of what it's trying to communicate. So <laughs> I looked up the word fret, it was a prime root. It says, here's the definition, figuratively. This is amazing, watch this. To grow, it's a threefold thing. A picture, threefold picture, it's trying to communicate to us. Number one, to grow warm. Number two, to grow so hot you glow. Number three, to erupt in a blaze of anger. I'm like, that's amazing, because that's just how fretting works. It's amazing. The Bible is amazing. It's like, yeah, that's how it works. You start, you're just like, mm, that just bothers me. Just get a little bit warm about that. And then if you don't like fret not, the next thing that happens is you start to like really get upset about it. And then before long, here's what comes out of your mouth. I'll tell you. That just burns me up. <laughs> and here's the thing that I find absolutely fascinating. And that is, that's the threefold definition of the word fret. Okay? Three things. Grow warm, start to glow, you get so upset, until you finally just break out in a blaze of anger. Isn't it interesting? Threefold definition God three times says, fret not, better stop that. Fret not, you're up to level two. Fret not, you're up to level three. God is amazing. So, okay, there go all my loopholes. I'm back to fret not. I'm like, God, I need some help with this. Because I'm not good at not fretting. And that's the wonderful thing about our Bibles. It's amazingly, uh, uh, it's an amazing, relevant book. God not only tells us what's best for us, but then he also does this. He tells us how to do what he tells us to do. That's what's lacking so many times in sermons. People give all this information. We're sitting out there going, what do I do with that? Or how do I do that? And one of the things that I believe people need is not just to be told what God says is the right way to live, but then also to be told how can we do that? So I want to help you with that because God helps us with it. And um, we'll just go back to Psalm 37. In the first verse, he says, fret not. And then starting with verse 3, he tells us how to do that. And um, it's wonderful. Here's verse 3. This is the alternative to fretting. You've been fretting about something, okay? Something's been really bothering you, all right? Could, could be your world or it, uh, it could be our world or it could be your world, either one or any number of a million different things in it. 
and it's just something that just really causes you to fret. Okay, here's the alternative that God gives you. Verse 3, trust, everybody say trust. Trust Trust in the Lord and do good. Now, trust, just trust in the Lord, okay? And I looked up that word, that means to be confident in, okay? Just put your confidence in the Lord. Now, (laughs) okay, okay, sermon's over, let's go home. (laughs) (laughs) that's all you need to do. Just put your trust in the Lord. And you all know you're sitting there going, that is not always easy. Well, God knows that. And so God gives us something else in that verse that starts to point us in the direction we need to go. And I'll read the rest of the verse to you. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Feed on it. Now, when I read that, I don't know about you. Well, you can look at me and know this is the truth. I like to eat, all right? And, uh, and it seems like the older you get, that becomes a habit more. But uh, um, it's something like, okay, we got to do this. We, we don't eat one meal a week. We, we eat not only daily, but we eat multiple times during the day indicating to me that God is telling this, telling us that we need to what? Just constantly be reminding ourselves, constantly, all during the day. Every time one of those fret not kind of thoughts comes up, and we're like, oh man, that that just gets me. Man, I get all concerned about that right there. Every time that happens, What's the alternative? We need, if we're going to trust in God, we need to remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God. And can I tell you something? The faithfulness of God is unchanging. It, it, is, it is in no way linked to what kind of problems we are going through. I'm, I'm telling you, I have gone through things that were excruciating things. I'm I'm a survivor of quadruple bypass heart surgery. And I don't know if you never have had that. You cannot begin to even imagine how difficult that is. But you know what? Here's what I found out. Even in the midst of all of that, God was still faithful. His faithfulness doesn't change. Somehow, we Christians once in a while we'll get an idea in our head that as Christians, we should deserve a certain kind of immunity from problems. I can't find that in my Bible. I'm sorry. That's why I told ushers to lock the doors. Don't let anybody out. You need to hear this. Because sometimes Christians are like, what in the world is going on? Where is God? If God is alive, then why am I going through this? Well, because you're a Christian. Now, I've got a whole nother sermon on that, and I don't want to go down that road. It'll take too much of my time. Uh, I, I don't have that time tonight. But I can promise you, when bad things happen, God is still faithful. And you need to remind yourself of that. A wonderful scripture is found in the book of Lamentations. Lamentations was written by the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah is the guy who preached for 70 years, and he didn't see one convert. He got thrown into a slime pit. He was in the slime up to his armpits. And then if that wasn't enough, he, along with a whole other nation of Israel, was carried off into Babylonian captivity. And in Babylonian captivity, after experiencing all of that, 
he writes in Lamentations, and this is what he writes. It's, it's just beautiful. He says, this I recall to my mind, and therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses never cease. His compassions, they never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Dude. Yeah, that'll give you hope right there. So feed on his faithfulness if you want to put your trust in him. Now, moving on to the fourth verse. He says, delight yourself in the Lord. Everybody say delight. Delight Delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, (laughs) this is a wonderful verse that has been really badly misused. I've heard some of the, the hyper-faith teachers and the, and the name-it-and-claim-it bunch and all of that. I've heard some of their teaching, and they use this verse. God will give you anything you want. Just delight yourself in the Lord. God will give you anything you want. But let me ask you a question. <clears throat> delight yourself in the Lord. If I delight myself in the Lord then what will be the desire of my heart? Listen, listen to this. If you want to see the point I'm trying to make, the guy who wrote that, who said, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desire of your heart. That was David. Psalm 73, 25, David says this. There is nothing on earth I desire except you. Ooh, how about that? Somebody's like, yeah, but, but can't God like also give me the desires of my heart, some of the other things? Well, you'd probably have him kill all your enemies. I would. I know how to solve that mess in the Middle East. See, God can't give us anything that we just want. We, well, I'll talk more about that in a little bit, okay? But look at the next verse now. Look at the next verse, verse 5. Commit. Everybody say commit. Commit Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. There it is again, trust, okay? Commit your way to the Lord, and he shall bring it to pass. Now, I don't like that verse. You know why? I don't know what it looks like. All right? He will bring it to pass. God, could you put a little meat on that bone right there? I would like to know before I sign up what it is going to look like. But you see, if we have that kind of a problem, it's because we don't trust the Lord. So go back to square one, start all over, and say, I need to learn to trust the Lord, and I can do that if I feed on his faithfulness, and then I will get down here, and if I get down here to this verse, and I still am worried about it, then I'll go back again and start all over until I get it right. Come on now, all right? Now, notice here now, he goes on, I like this, the word commit literally means to just, literally, it says in the the Hebrew definition, 
literally, and that's one not very often you see that, literally or figuratively to roll it over on. Just take all that stuff you're fretting about, just roll it over on God. You know, it's too heavy for you to carry anyway. It's too great of a burden. God never intended you to carry it. He just says, just roll it over on me. I'll take care of it. You don't have to worry about it. I can be trusted. I'm faithful. Roll it over on me. But now here comes the hard part. This is the hardest part. Verse 7. Oh. Rest. Everybody say rest. Rest in the Lord and wait. <sighs> Patiently for him. Can I tell you, those two words, wait patiently, should never be used in the same sentence. <laughs> remember, remember when we had that one Thanksgiving dinner? John Stewart was about six years old, my grandson. And we were sitting at the, at the Thanksgiving table. And I looked at him and I said, John, you're a beautiful boy. He looked at me and said, Papa, those two words should never be used together in the same sentence. <laughs> I've never forgotten that. <laughs> well, I look at this and I'm like, wait patiently. Oh, God, it would be enough. See, that's what I was telling you about. The Bible, it just hems you in, man. I mean, it, it doesn't give you any wiggle room. It would be one thing to say, just wait. And by the way, you need to, if you don't know this already, you need to know that over and over and over in Scripture, we are told to wait on the Lord. Okay, we're told to wait on the Lord. In Psalms alone, there's 21 different times that the, the book of Psalms tells us to wait on the Lord. Now, let me try to explain that to you. Uh, does it seem like we're always waiting on the Lord? Yeah, it's, it seems that way to me. We're, it seems like we're always waiting on God. God is slower than my wife. I love you. <laughs> I'm getting you back for all those mean things you put in your newsletter article about me, okay? <laughs> but truth, truth. God's, it seems like God's never in a hurry. And so we're told, you need to wait. Just wait on the Lord. Now, there may be a couple of reasons. I think that we're very time-oriented Okay, we're very aware of time. God is an eternal being, and he's in the eternal now. And so God, for that reason, he, he, just, he just doesn't feel a need to hurry up about anything. I'll give you a good illustration. God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you're here tonight, you've never asked Christ into your life, I want you to know something. <clears throat> you better be glad that God is who he is and that God's never in a hurry. He's very patient with you. He's giving you many opportunities to come to Christ. And, and you need to know that that's because that's how he operates. Aren't you glad? 
See, we're all glad, aren't we, that he has mercy, he's long-suffering, and all of that. But God, when it comes to this other stuff over here that I want you to do, you need to hurry up about that. (laughs) See what I'm saying? No, no, we need to learn that God can be trusted that everything that he plans to do is on a timetable, and he knows exactly what he's doing. And it's our job to wait patiently. Mm. Patiently. Wait patiently. I looked that up. (laughs) It's like, I do this all the time. I'm like, no, this can't mean what it says. And it got worse. (laughs) It got worse. Wait patiently. Here's what that that two-word phrase literally means to twist, to whirl, twirl, and dance. God, you are talking to a fretter. You're telling me you just want me roll it over on you and then just like Total carefree. Ah, God. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And then I'm reminded of something. I read it in a book somewhere. I'm trying to remember where. But I read it in a book, and it went something like this. Um... If you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you need to become like little children. What book did I read that in? (laughs) Who was that mighty teacher? How about that? I'm a people watcher. I love to watch people. Sometimes I'll just go to a mall. Linda goes to shop. I go to people watch, okay? I'm like, I'll be out here in the middle of the mall in that nice chair right there, people watching. It's amazing what you see. Here's what you see. I've seen it hundreds of times. Here comes a mama, and she's got her little daughter with her. All right? Little thing about that high, you know? And here's mama. She's on her cell phone. Here's the dolly. (laughs) She's having a great day. I'm having a great day. I've seen that hundreds of times. And you're like, God, did you really mean it that you want us to be that carefree? Yeah, I think he did. Hmm. Come to think of it, why shouldn't we be? Has our fretting ever changed anything? (laughs) Gave my daddy a heart attack. Gave my granddad a heart attack. Nearly killed me. God says, 
you can't change it anyway. So why are you fretting about it? <laughs> I'm the only one that can do anything about it. Told you you were going to hate this sermon. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's, it's like, oh, God. <sighs> oh. Okay, if you don't want me to fret, you do something about it. And God's like, don't be telling me what to do. <laughs> and watch this now. Watch this. This is amazing. This is just amazing. He says, rest. Now, that's the key. This is the key. Rest in the Lord. and Wait patiently. Rest. You ready for this? I looked that word up. I can't believe this. It's a prime root. It didn't say figuratively. Okay? It said this. Here's what the word means. To be dumb. <laughs> now, that was not written just to blondes. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. <laughs> you ladies know you got out of a bottle anyway, so don't be offended. How come I hear more men going, oh, oh, oh. I hear no ladies laughing. <laughs> to be dumb. Now, really, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is the key. Because we don't like to be dumb. We like to believe that we know what needs to be done about every situation. You ask me about a situation, I'll tell you what needs to be done. Hmm? And we don't mind telling God, this is what needs to be done. God, I want you to do this. We call it prayer. We all do it. We all do it. It's like, God, don't have to be too smart to know. This is what needs to be done. And God, you also need to know this. It needs to be done quickly. God, I'm trusting you to do what I want you to do. <laughs> and then when God looks up, in, it sits up in heaven looking down and he, he sees ignorance gone to seed. <laughs> ignorance gone to seed. He is like Gabriel. Oy vey, look that down there. That Pastor John just told me to nuke the whole Middle East except Israel. See, folks, in every situation that you're fretting about, I can absolutely assure you there's one of two things. Either God doesn't have a plan because it doesn't matter. Or he does have a plan 
because it does matter. And he's got a good plan. And it's up to you and I to say, Lord, I just trust you. Lord, I'm going to roll it off on you. Lord, I'm going to play dumb. I, pre I preached this sermon a while back. When, when we went, left the sanctuary, my wife looked at me. She goes, it ought to be easy for you to do that. <laughs> she is so mean to me. I love you, baby. We've been married 52 years soon. Yeah. But anyway, you just come to the point where you go, God, I, you know what? This stuff right here that just seems so impossible, it's like, God, how can I do this? This, oh God, this is so contrary to human nature. No, when you really study it, you begin to realize, you know what? This is the way to do it. This is the way to live. Some of you might be sitting there going, well, you just tell me how that's going to change my situation. Dude, you don't get it. It's not going to change your situation. It's not meant to change your situation. It's meant to help you walk through your situation with the peace of the Lord, the confidence in God, the rest inside of you. It's like, well, this situation is not good. And God, I can't see, I can't see you at this point in time doing anything about it. It does not, I don't see even a light at the end of the tunnel. But Lord, I know one thing. I can trust you. I can trust you. So I just want to leave you with uh, um, a, uh, so something I read in a book. It goes like this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear, For there's more to life than food, more to the body than clothing. Consider the birds. <laughs> they don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. And yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add even one hour to your life. So if you can't do such a very small thing as this, then why do you worry about all the rest? Consider how the flowers grow. They don't work or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his glory was clothed like one of these. And if this is how God clothes the wild grass, which is here today, tomorrow it's tossed into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? Do not be overly concerned about what you will eat and what you will drink. Don't worry about such things. For all the nations of the world pursue these things. But remember, your Father knows you need them. So instead, just pursue his kingdom and all these things 
will be added unto you. Father God will take care of it all. And he makes no mistakes. Jesus, I love you. I thank you so much, Father, for the amazing truth that's in your word. And Lord, I just know, because I know humanity and human nature, that there are people that are hearing this tonight and will hear it tomorrow uh, in the other, at the other campuses. I just know that there are people that have struggled with the stuff of life. I pray, God, you'll help them. Holy Spirit, take the word, apply it to their heart, and let them tangibly feel a release from all the worry that they've been carrying. Lord, we commit it right now to you. We roll it over on you. We don't try to tell you what to do, but we trust you. And Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Thank you, God. You are patient, long-suffering, not willing that they would perish. I pray that tonight they would just recognize that and turn their life to Christ. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.